Well, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus for the blood. Hallelujah. If there's someone here, please let us know if there's anything we can do for you personally, for you, your family, your homes. Let us know if we can help you in any way. I pray no one, as far as I've heard, no one was devastated. If you tried calling us, the church phones, our phones, even my cell phone, was others were not working right. And I still don't have a phone. But uh, praise God, no harm and no damage was done to our home. And I believe with yours too. But if you have anything that we can help you with, please let us know. One reason I shared this video today, the young lady who was singing that song, she was she was programmed to sing. She was expecting a baby, and it wasn't time for the baby to be born yet. But the baby came, and she held that baby for a day, and the next morning the baby was dead. And they asked her, they said, do you still want to sing? And she says, all I have is to sing. And in an interview, her name is Jill. And she says, I have to sing even with my lost. I have to sing even if I don't feel like it. I know that my circumstances and season doesn't change. That God is still God. What happened doesn't change what he called me to do. He is still on the throne and he still rules. And he's bigger than anything I'm facing. I still feel broken and I feel numb. But I know that he is God. And she said, I choose to worship. Because when I choose to worship, I'm telling Satan he has no power. When I choose to worship, I'm telling the devil, he has not triumphed over me. He has not silenced me. He is not victorious over me. When we choose to worship, even in the midst of the lost in the storm, and there's David and Shanna Chevalier. She's feeding her second baby, their brand new little baby boy. Their first child, I mean their third child, their first child's in heaven. Playing with Jesus. Waiting for her to go up there to finish raising it. You'll be raising children all your life, girl. But I saw the strength in that couple. Because as you know, when you face devastation and when you face death, what's really inside of you manifest. And God is bringing us from being just an empty sound to the sound of the Lord. The lady, Darlene, who sings for Hillsong, she lost her child. And she said, in that death of my child, I saw another side of God I would have never known except through that death. And you know, I, I, I used to sing a song. One of my favorite books growing up was The End of the Spear or Through the Gates of Splendor by the missionaries who were martyred in Ecuador. And they sang a song. They held hands and sang a song before they got on that plane and went to their death. They were killed by machetes and spears there and trying to reach those people with the gospel. And the song they sang was Through the Gates of Splendor. And they sang, We rest on Thee, O oh Lord, our shield and defender, and needing more Thy grace to know. But yet from a heart of song, of, science, of silent splendor, we rest on Thee and in Thy name we go. And sometimes when you don't know what else to do, you just start singing and you just start praising God. Even in the midst of the storm, you start reaching out and you start knowing my Redeemer lips. And you just praise Him, you just glorify Him. And I believe that what we're learning from the hurricanes is not to wait till we're, we're prepared. Not, not to wait till the hurricane hits before we prepare. 
But what we've learned this last time is to prepare before it hits. And I believe that that's where the body of Christ is right now in a new day, in a new age. It's not to wait till the crisis come to prepare. Because this little girl, Jill, if she hadn't been spiritual and prepared when they came and told her, your child's dead. And then they said, are you going to sing or not? And it was up to her whether she was going to sing or not. If she had not been really walking with the Lord, she wouldn't have been able to do it. And we don't prepare when the hurricane's here. The sun, you know, the sunshine's still shining, and they're still warning us there's a category two right, right here. But we see the sunshine, so we don't prepare. But I mean, no, we've learned our lesson. And there's something that God is wanting to teach us. And one of the things that I heard this week from Governor Sarah as she was speaking, and she said, the presidency is not a place to learn your identity. If you don't know, if you are still trying to find out who you are, then your position is not to be the president of the mightiest nation in this world. If you're going to fill the position, you've got to know who you are. And if you're 40-something years old and you're still seeking for identity, then you do not belong in the place of the presidency. Well, as I heard that, I started thinking about the body of Christ. We've got to understand who we are when we go to face the giants. Because the closer we get to God, the more conflict we're liable to to, uh, come against. And the thing we've got to understand is that there has been lies through our life who try to, these lies that try to pull us down and hold us down so we cannot advance and we cannot go forward. And so we've got to learn how to take these lies down and know our position and know who we are in Christ so we can go forward. When I heard her say, if you don't know who you are yet, you're still trying to find yourself, maybe because you didn't have a daddy, then maybe you are not ready for the presidency of the United States. It reminded me what T.D. Jake says a few years ago. I heard him preaching. He says, if you are in your 40s and you're still having trouble because you didn't have a dad, he says, build a snowman and call him daddy. <laughs> Stop blaming somebody. All your life for not being who you're supposed to be because it was always somebody's fault. Build a snowman and call him daddy if you need a daddy. Because how I many there are some circumstances, and I hate that it's happened, but there are some things in life that has happened and there's nothing we can change. When I thought about him saying building a snowman, I started thinking about something else. I went and got a haircut the other day and there was a priest there. And I thought, well, if you really want somebody to call father... Join a convent. And everywhere you go, you'll be going, Father, Father, Son, Son. You, you, you have somebody to call you Son. And I'm not making fun if you didn't have a father. I'm not teasing that. What I'm saying is that comes a time in our life that we have to be prepared before it hits and not wait till it hits to then prepare. We're guilty in this nation of always waiting till it hits to prepare, where now's the time we've got to prepare before it hits. I want you to look with me in Numbers chapter 13. I won't keep you long today. What's that laughing about? I won't. Enjoy the air condition. Numbers chapter 13. I know you're familiar with this, but it's just what I felt I need to share with you today. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. 
Now here they are all these years in the desert going towards the promise. And they got out of slavery and they got out of Egypt and they saw the marvelous things of God. But they didn't prepare for the promised land and they didn't enter into the promised land. And there's an open window here for us to see. Look what it says in verse 25. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And when I read that tonight, I'm going to be speaking about the gold that comes out of the time in the wilderness. But here it says they came back after 40 days. And after 40 days, they had seen the promise, but they were not ready to to receive the promise. They had seen the promise, but they were not ready to receive the promise. After 40 days, Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted of the devil where he hungered. But it goes on to say, though, that when he came out of the 40 days, he came out full of the power of the Holy Spirit. We choose how we are going to come out of the situation we're in. And that's exactly what it's trying to teach us here, to be woken and to be seen. And it goes on to say in the following verses, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and of Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. But look what it says in verse 28. Nevertheless, how many of you know that the nevertheless of other people. Listen, they were 12 spies. Listen to this. There were 12 spies. But they all had different points of view. We're hearing people on the news all the time right now. Elect me, elect me, elect me. Well, I woke up the other day and I heard the Holy Spirit says to my beloved elect chosen in the Lord. The Bible says that you are already chosen and you already elected in the position as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And you don't have to be trying to win that position. You've already received that position by accepting Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior and for living for Him. But the thing we've got to understand is that these people are trying to win things by what they are saying. And here there were these ten spies trying to say, but you ought to see the Amalekites, you ought to see the giants, you ought to see the walled cities. And in our mind, many times we can preach this many ways, but in our mind, there's twelve spies in our mind. Some of them are telling you, you can, and others are telling you, you can't. The friends of Job, they might have, had, they might have said things in Job that made sense. But it wasn't the wisdom of God speaking. And what we've got to understand, when they come back and they say, here's the fruit of it, but nevertheless, you're not going to be able to do that. And here's these voices saying, you'll never accomplish this in your life. You'll never get healed of what hurts you. These lies will always keep you down. It's kind of like Jake and I went to a conference the first of the year, and there was this preacher from Carolina, and he was telling, he, he was in his late 30s, and he's got the fear of snakes. And he says, you know how I got the fear of snakes? He says, when I was four years old, it finally snowed in North Carolina. And it was six inches of snow, and I couldn't wait to go out and play in the snow. So I asked my dad, Dad, can I go play in the snow? He says, no, son, you can't. He said, but, Dad, we've never seen snow before. I want to go play in the snow. His dad says, you can't. He says, well, why not, Daddy? He says, because they're snow snakes. He says, they're snow snakes. Now, he's four years old, and now he's 40 telling the story. Snow snakes, what's that? He says, they're snakes that live in the snow. Well, 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 Daddy, do they bite? He says, no. They crawl up your bottom and they freeze you to death. (laughs) Well, he went to school the uh, the following week and the teacher said, how many played in the snow? And everybody in the class raised their hand but him. And the teacher said, 
buddy, why didn't you go play in the snow? He says, you never heard of snow snakes? She says, well, snow snakes. He had to go and tell the door. But that little lie held him down and still has the fruit of the fear of that lie that was given years ago. And you see, they said we were grasshoppers in our own sight. You can go on and read. We are grasshoppers in our own sight. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you believe about yourself will be what you will live. And not only that, what you believe and what you say is what the enemy is going to use against you. What you believe about yourself and what you believe about the enemy. There are so many people who are terrified of Satan and devils. There's even preachers I know. When you start talking about deliverance and demons manifesting in the foreign field, they go, oh, don't tell me those stories. I won't sleep tonight. Oh, my God. Do you know who you preach about? What you believe... Is what the enemy is going to use against you or what you're going to use against the enemy. And they say they kept thinking about we're grasshoppers. And it goes on to say there, it says, we're grasshoppers in our sight and also, you can read it later on there in, in, in verse 20, 29, 30, somewhere in there. It says, and we are also, and we are also grasshoppers in their sight. The enemy is going to see you as you see you. The enemy is going to see you as you see yourself. And that grasshopper mentality is nothing but lies and traumas and strongholds that have been sleeping sometimes in dormant. You have not felt bad about the type of son you were until somebody said something and it reminded you of what you did 25, 35, 40 years ago. And that grasshopper mentality starts speaking to you saying, they see you as you see you. And how many of you know it's time to defeat that mentality and go forward and get the promises of the Lord? Because listen, the closer, here they were, and I want you to read, look at chapter 14, I want you to read. There they were, ready to go in and get the promises. And I want you to see here in chapter 14, verse 1, this is the message translation. Oh, before we do that, wait a minute, wait a minute, before we do that, look at this. Verse 30, after they talked about all the enemy. It says in verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people. Say quieted. He quieted. Another translation says, He calmed the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Listen, right now, another hurricane coming. They talk about other hurricanes coming. Listen, I I tell you, God speaks when we've learned to quiet and calm our mind, our emotions down. As long as we're hearing other people's opinions and as long as we're allowing the media and we're allowing circumstances to cause us to be agitated and fearful and wondering what's going to happen if this happens and what's going to happen if that's happened? What what, what are we going to do if we go into another Cold War? What's going to happen if Iran does have nuclear technology? What are we going to do about this and that? If we don't learn to calm down and quiet ourselves. Listen, let me tell you something. God does not speak to nervous wrecks. 
I've been saved since 69. Let me tell you something. As long as I'm going, oh my God, oh my God, if you don't talk to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, you got to speak to me because I've got this decision to make. And if you don't speak to me, oh my God. I'll, then, oh Lord, I just claim your wisdom. You said that you give every man wisdom if they ask of you. And I thank you right now I have wisdom. And I, I'm going through all the scriptures and I think according to Proverbs that in all my ways I acknowledge you. But when I'm doing it out of a nervous soul, I'll never hear the voice of God speak to me. He had a quiet and calm down the people. Why? Because you, if you're not in faith, you can't hear God. It's like right now, my wife and I, we're supposed to be going to Argentina in a week and a half. And we had this plan. We've, our, our missions organization paid for our trip to Argentina uh, from Houston and there and back. And we got everything set up, everything planned. We've had it done since, I believe, May. And we've been getting a check in our spirit. And we've been, Lord, what are we supposed to do? Lord, are we supposed to go to Argentina? All of a sudden, we start feeling something. And we start saying, Lord, do we leave our family? Do we leave the church and go to Argentina? Uh, The tickets are all bought. What do we do? So yesterday, we just went sat outside. And in quietness and calmness, we started praying and allowing the Holy Spirit just to minister to us. And after we prayed and we prayed, both of us prayed together. Then I went under a tree. I've never in the front yard, I always prayed in the backyard and I felt to go to the front. And I felt the spirit of God was underneath this little tree. And I went under this tree and he started speaking some things to me. He started just speaking so calmly. He says, what's in your heart? Who's in your heart? He said, you gave 14 years of warfare to that country. He says, now I have you doing warfare for this country. He says, I've called you according to Ezekiel chapter 4 to build the wall. He's put me in an office as an intercessor. I may not have a big impact knowingly, but to hell and to heaven, God sees my prayers and my intercessions and my heart is right now for my country. Now, in calmness and quietness, he speaks to us. I'll give you an example. This morning, when I got up to pray, the Lord says, okay, go to Isaiah 28, 29. I open up to Isaiah 28, 29. Listen to what it says in the message translation. He just spoke this to me. He woke me up extra early, and I was praying over this, and he says, look at this. He said, it says, he's learned it all from God, the angel armies. God of the angel armies. Now, listen to this. Who knows everything about when and how and where. I never read the scripture or remember reading the scripture. He knows everything. Say everything about when and how and where. Lord, how am I supposed to go? He knows how. When I'm supposed to go? He knows when. Where I'm supposed to go? He knows where. He says, I'll teach you wisdom. He may not. He doesn't always tell us uh, exactly. No, I don't want you to go. But you know what? He'll give you enough to know I'm speaking to you. He may not give you all the answer. Because you know what? He's going to speak, but he wants to hear how you speak. My boys and I, we've been having a Lord of the Rings marathon since we got electricity Wednesday or Thursday. How many know Hobbit's rule? <laughs> anyway, one of the things that, one of the things that, that one of the, there's quite a few things I started getting out of that. But one of the things I, I started seeing was that those little fellows brought havoc to the powers of hell, and they were little bitty things. But the closer they got to the answer, the bigger the giants got. 
And the closer you and I get to the answer, the bigger the giants get. You know why? When, when we first lived here, we had an old van. And the locks in our van were broke. And, and you know, I'm a missionary, so I went and bought some, some chain locks. And I put chain locks on my van. And you had to crawl in through my door to go undo the chain locks so we could crawl in and out. Some of y'all who were here when we first started pastoring might remember that old van with the chain locks. How many of you know, I did not have an alarm system on that old van. It wasn't worth it. I had chain locks just to keep the doors from flying open, but the old van was not worth it. How many of you know, if you have an old shack, you ain't going to have an alarm system. Why? There's nothing in there worth getting. If you have an old vehicle and there's not even a radio or nothing in there, there's, there's no reason to have an alarm. Why? There's nothing worth getting in there. Well, the enemy is not confronting and intimidating and attacking you because there's not nothing for you. He's trying to get you back into that grasshopper mentality so that you back up instead of go forward and don't get what He's promised you. The bigger the giants, the bigger the devils, the bigger the fight, the bigger the blessings that He's got prepared for you. Yeah! But we got to learn to be calm and quiet. Because you know what? A lot of us are like script souls in the church. A lot of us, we're having a lot of conversation to ourselves. Sometimes you call somebody, they go, I can't talk right now, I'm fighting. Well, well who are you fighting with? Sister Cindy, no, I'm fighting with myself. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I go? Should I not go? Do I need to have to do this? Do I, do I have to do that? Should I forgive? Should I not forgive? How many of you ever see people or you ever have conversations with yourself? Well, that's how these people were doing. They were having conversations with themselves. Do I go or do I not go? Do I stay? What do I mean? Even though the promises is there, but look at the giants. Look at all of this is straightly shut up. But listen, here they were. They said, "We are grasshoppers in our own eyes and in the eyes of the enemy." And I can prove to you, it was a lie. You know how? They wasted all the years of not living in the promised land because they took the opinion of others and not the word of God and the two who wanted to go over. You know how I can prove to you that uh, it was a lie that they were grasshoppers in the eyes of the enemy? It's because when they went to the house of Rahab the harlot in Jericho, she told them, you know what? The heart of these people are terrified of you. They don't sound like being a grasshopper to me. It sounds like the giants weren't the giants. It sounds like the children of Israel were the giants. And the giants were scared of the children of Israel. They said, we have, we have heard what your God can do. We have heard what your God took you out of and what He's bringing you into. And we are terrified of you. And we already know all this land is going to belong to you. So you see what you're believing the enemy is going to listen to what you have to say, so you better be saying what God says so the enemy knows you truly have God on your side. But this is, this is what I want to finish with. I told you I wasn't going to keep you long. And you laughed at me and I'm going to prove to be true. <laughs> so I'm going through this real quick here. But, but this is what I want to show you. I want to end with this. And you can read. I didn't read chapter 14, but you read in chapter 14. Listen to this. Let, let, let me give you this. I've got to give you this point. In chapter 14, it says they murmured against Moses and Aaron. It says they complained. And it said they whined and they cried. 
Let me tell you something. The more whiners and the more criers and the more pity parties you hear just means the closer we're getting to the promises of God. The closer you get to the border of the promise, the more people are going to start whining and crying. Why? Because it's getting hard. It's getting difficult. But when you know who you are, and my identity is not in what I'm going through, my identity is in the promises of God, and I'm going to go on and get what I, I know God has promised me to do. But here's the key, and I'll finish with this. Here's the key of how to get the promises of God. Caleb said, we can do it. Let's get up immediately, and let's take it. Right? Remember this one word. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Or they weren't passionate about the promised land, or they would have went towards the promised land. I'll give you an example. The doctor tells you, you've got cancer and you're going to die. If you're passionate enough, Sister Jesse, if you're passionate enough for life, you'll conquer cancer every time they tell you they, that you've got cancer, because you've done it. When you're passionate about life, it doesn't matter what type of cancer, it doesn't matter what type of symptoms you have. When you are passionate about life, you're going to keep on living. She wanted to keep on living. My, my dad did not. When he got cancer, he told me he wanted to die. And he told me, I don't want to fight. I don't want to stay. My mom, you see, he's already been in heaven for a while. My dad never got over her. And I said, but daddy, you got to fight. He says, I don't want to. Now, you see, my dad had the passion to go on to heaven more than he had the passion to stay here for me. <laughs> but daddy, he said, I said, daddy, I need you. He says, oh, no, you do fine. You're okay. That's what he told me. Oh, you do fine. You're okay. My daddy had more passion to go to heaven than he had passion to stay here for me. What we are really, this is where we can investigate our hearts. What we're really passionate about. Only what we're really passionate about is going to get us where we need to go. Two men were passionate about the promised land. The others were only passionate about their comfort and safety and security blanket. We've got to get beyond the security blanket and get passionate about the leap of faith. Well, how much is going to cost us? Oh, it doesn't matter. We're going to do it. Well, what are we going to have to do? Well, we're going to have to do this and do that. Well, I don't think anybody's going to want to, Pastor. I don't think anybody's going to be in agreement. Well, me and the Holy Ghost is, and we're going to do it. I don't hear everybody's talking about how bad America and this election is and there's nobody to vote for. Well, I don't care. It, does, it is not written in the Constitution that this is a nation under the President of the United States. It says this is a nation under God. It's invincible for liberty and justice for all. I am passionate not about this election. I am passionate about this nation. It may be broken, but it's for God to resurrect. What are you passionate about? You know, Pastor, uh, I just don't think my marriage is going to make it. Well, how passionate were you from the beginning about it making? I just don't know what I'm going to do about my situation. Well, how much are you praying and fasting over it? Well, that's what I got you for, Pastor. 
Caleb and Joshua said, even in verse 14, when they're murmuring, crying, and complaining, like we got it so bad, we're not going to make it. God led us to the enemy. They're going to devour and destroy us. We are nothing before them. Caleb and Joshua spoke up again. No, no, shut up. Calm down and just shut up and understand. God is for us and they're like bread to us. Whatever you're facing, whatever your circumstances, it may be hard, but that's just because I guarantee you, God's got something better for you. If it was easy, anybody could do it. If it was easy, everybody will have it. But when you've got to fight for it, when you've got to crawl for it, when you've got to cry for it, when you've got to fast for it, when you've got to pray for it, God says, Ooh, boy, they're passionate about me. Lord, I need to be delivered from this drug habit. I'm tired of being brought back down into it time and time again. And I am not letting go of the horns of the altar. And I'm not going to quit praying and reading and fasting and declaring and decreeing until this is out of me so that I can go free in Jesus' name. He's looking for... If you seek, search me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, how passionate are you for the promised land? How passionate are you to get what you've been believing God for? How passionate are you to kill them snow snakes and get free? And I'll finish with this last story. This young boy, one, his pastor was a, a revivalist. And one day he would follow his pastor around and his pastor was fishing. So he snuck up behind his pastor. He says, Pastor, I'm so glad I got you. I want your mantle. The man's up in age. He's fishing. He didn't even answer him. Pastor, you heard me? I want your mantle. Pray, lay hands on me. I want your mantle. Didn't even answer. Pastor, I want to preach like you. Didn't even answer. Come on, Pastor. Pray for me. I want to be a man of God like you. So the old preacher grabbed him and just threw him in the lake. And he'd come up, I can't swim, and go back down. And the old preacher just sat there and let him go up and down for about three or four times and finally grabbed him and threw him on the bank. And he says, when you want the anointing like you did that air, you'll be the man of God. You desire to be. When you want the presence of God as bad as you want it to breathe. When you want the presence of God as bad as you want it to live. Brother Sherman. You're sitting right here alive. Because your passion to stay with her was stronger. The passion of going on. I commend you for that. Brother Ray and Sister Carolyn. So many more here. And he said, I'll take you out. And you stood up and says, you can't take me out. Because I haven't gotten all my promises yet. And I'm passionate about living. And now that I'm alive, I'm passionate about stepping on your head and crushing you and making you squeal and bringing glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not waiting till the crisis hits to get into my identity. My identity is that before 
the foundation of the world, He chose me to be in Christ Jesus. And I am born again. And you and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So we're not going to wait. That's why we have church. That's why we have Bible school. That's why we have prayer meeting. That's why we have all the different things that's going on. It's because don't wait till you get in the crisis to dig out the tapes and get the books and learn to pray and learn to fast. America's been waiting way too long. We should have already had some things dealt with, but guess what? Now there are a generation that for 24-7 is praying night and day before God for revival in this nation. And I believe we're about ready to see some things, and I'm excited about it. And I don't care what comes from hell or any other direction. I know what's coming from heaven. (laughs) And I know it's going to be glorious. And I know my passion is for my country. And I know my passion is for my nation. And I used to get in Argentina, my passion was for Argentina. And I even had, we had 28 pastors in our group and they would say, why can't we weep over Argentina like this foreigner does? And I wept and I prayed and I interceded. I'm not bragging on me, I'm just saying it was on my heart for, for that nation, Argentina was my nation. But God has taken us and brought us here. And now, my true nation is my nation. And we're not going down without a fight. And we're about ready to see God used like this young lady, Jill, who lost her baby. So many others. God is getting ready to use those who have lost babies, those who have aborted babies, those who have been dealt in drugs, those who have been hurt and shot and stabbed and in prison, those who have lost everything, those who have been devastated are going to be the heroes of today and tomorrow. They're going, to, they're going to have nothing to do but praise the glory of God because it's only God who brought them through. You hear me, church? So I want to encourage you, even in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the storm, we are going to praise the Lord. We're going to shout unto God in the midst of the wind and the rain or whatever come our way without the electricity and the sweat. Listen, I, I, hey, we, we, all, we all blow it. Might be a few here, you might have said a few cuss words this last week. <laughs> you know, when I was in the, coming up in the charismatic in the 70s and the 80s, you had to always sound like your faith has done it all. <laughs> Nothing happened to me, bless God, my faith protects everything. And everything had to sound like you were perfect. Everybody wanted to sound like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Went through the fire and I don't even smell the smoke. <laughs> but... I, the older I get, the more I get like, I want to hear somebody tell me a testimony that I'm not the only one, that not only did I smell the smoke, my britches are still on fire. <laughs> because it says that the trial, <laughs> the fiery trial, and sometimes I tell you, I'm not, I don't come out of everything just right. Sometimes I smell the smoke, I smell the singed hair, sometimes I smell the meat. Because man, I didn't do too good. And my confession wasn't always right. And, and, and you know, you hear somebody say, Pastor, I missed it. I was supposed to praise God, but I cussed. I said, praise God. Now you're going to come to another level where you're going to learn to give that to God. And you're going to have another opportunity. And instead of cussing next time, you're going to praise the name of the Lord. So what I want.
want you to know, don't you get underneath any type of guilt, frustration, self-hate, self-condemnation. If you messed up and you weren't the perfect man or woman of faith this week, and you might have messed up some, and you might say, oh, if everybody knew what I did, oh, I just want you to know, His mercies are new every morning. And listen, if you messed up this week because of something you went through, and you just said, oh, I shouldn't even be in church this morning, thank God you're in church because God wants to build up your inner man so that you're not running. I don't know who, I don't know why this switch. I don't know who I'm talking to. I didn't cuss, but, but if you did, I'm just trying to help you. He wants to build up our inner man to a place to where we're getting stronger. Because I, I just, all of a sudden, I felt like some people were saying, well, I'm still like them ten spies. Well, Praise God. You're growing to be like Joshua and Caleb. That's what we keep preaching to you for. We keep ministering to you for. Don't go home discouraged. Don't go home because you might have blew it and you weren't just a quite perfect confession this week. Just repent now. Change your tune. Turn the dial to another station. Don't call the radio complaining about how hard you got and your lights still aren't on. Come to the church. We have lights. Makes you appreciate what you don't have next time. Because let me tell you something. There's going to be more storms. There's going to be more times we won't have electricity and water and phone. But you know what? You got life. And I swear to you, you got it tomorrow. And I promise to you, it's going to be better. And it's going to get better. No matter how hard you got it, it, you ain't got, if you say, I ain't got nowhere but to go up, then look up. Stop looking at the people telling you you're not going to make it. No. Oh, I went ten minutes over. But God had me go to a whole new message for somebody, and you were worth it. You were worth it. You were worth it. Sisters, remember when you're arguing with yourself, just remember the Holy Ghost is there. He wants to calm you down with the truth. Because it's the truth that sets you free. Amen. Did you get something out of this? Man, I had to rush through it, but I, you got something, huh? Just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Now let's stand and let's pray.